Okay. All right. It's it's Chapo. It's the midweek Chapo. And joining me now, I've got uh, two special guests. Well, one guest, one special co-host. It's Brendan James asking the questions with me, Will Meneker. Hey, everybody. Asking them too. Friend of the show, Karina Moreno. How are you doing, Karina? Hi. Karina, you're, we want to talk to you. We're a, little, we're a little late on this news. It took a while for news of uh, the election that just happened in Mexico to reach New York City. Right. But apparently there was an election in there Mexico. Um, and wouldn't you know it, for the first time in probably 40 years, the man of the left won a landslide victory. Yes. Could you talk a little bit about who the man of the hour in Mexico is right now? Okay, so you have seen AMLO on social media, I'm sure. Uh, Manuel López Obrador, he is, this is a big deal. So we've had, we have... AMLO like, is what the kids are Andres, calling. Andrés Manuel, so that's his full <laughs> name. Andrés Manuel yeah. López Obrador, AMLO for short, because, you know, you could imagine it's yeah. like long. Um, but no, it's a big deal. We have like six political parties in Mexico, but not really. We had the PRI in power for over 70 years. Um, and then we just finished like the PAN having, uh, having spending like 12 years in power. Yeah, you're like the, the, the PRI yeah. is the party that just has uh, been shifted out of power. That was um, Nieto's party. Yes. And they're sort of the kind of neoliberal centrist party. Well, or how would you describe their politics? They're very corporate. They're more conservative. Um, they're and more about, very, yeah, very cute. <laughs> no, he's the no, cute, he's the cute. President. He's not the cute president. He's a stupid president. So we <laughs> are very embarrassed. Um, and then, but there was sort of a, a period, uh, in the early aughts to 2012 when the we PAN had, yes. was the ruling party and there, right. that was Vincente Fox and that's yes. the more, Felipe much Calderon. more conservative party. Well, no, the, Pan is more. Is, look, the thing with Mexico is like everything is socially conservative. Okay. Like they're everything is structured around family values, um, and that sort of language. It's it's still not progressive when it comes to like uh, equal rights for same sex marriage or legal abortion or like women women's reproductive rights and things like that. So, um, but of the two. One, the PRI is way more corporate markets oriented and the PAN is more um, socially conscious, like more uh, like more liberal, basically. Okay. Yeah. So leading up to this uh, election, you know, like it was in the media accounts I've read. I mean, this has been called sort of a referendum election and that, you know, people across the political spectrum in Mexico are fed up with, you know, corruption. Yeah. The violence associated with the drug cartels yeah. and national debt and things like that. So how has Lopez Obrador and his party been able to capitalize on that? Or like what what was their pitch in the election that was, was able to succeed so splendidly? So it's really interesting because it really does cut across a whole like the whole spectrum of ideology. It's more it was way more an election about change. So the main messaging was, you know, the dangerous thing is to stay the same. And what we've tried, it hasn't worked. He, he put a coalition together. It was not necessarily, like it was not completely progressive and leftist. Like he was, 
he was criticized for for aligning himself with different organizations that were very very conservative um in terms of like gay rights and abortion and things like that there's that there's that hard right like religious yeah they, party they, there's got. a there's a hard hard right and he's he was criticized for that because he kind of said well those issues are not that important let's not talk about that let's talk more about uh change and corruption so most of the election he centered around um this idea of if we, you know, if we're going to get rid of poverty and if we're going to fix poverty and like get out of this problem that w these problems that we're in, we have to talk about the corruption and the organized uh, drug uh, networks and, and all of that. So it was really more about change. Um, he it's kind of interesting because. Some of the messaging, if you don't put it into context of what he's talking about, like so much of his messaging has to do with like, we need to cut federal spending in half. Uh, we need austerity programs, which sounds so awful. But actually, he's talking about how the federal government has essentially existed for because it's so corrupt, has basically taken everything that's set aside for social services spending and just given it to people like facilitated stealing, stealing, like flat out stealing. There was a phrase he used on the campaign that was like sort of referred to a sort of rentier mafia class. Of, yes, the, uh, the power mafia. Yeah. That's not, and that, that's not the drug cartels he's talking about. No. He's just talking about like a, a, a sort of embedded class of sort of corrupt just politicians, politicians and, yeah. and, and rent seekers. Yeah. Well, here, here's a, I mean, this is a, a, a little, uh, I scraped a little recent history of um, corruption scandals. Uh, you have a PRI governor who went AWOL in a government helicopter <laughs> and then, because uh, uh, he was accused of corruption and whose wife recently turned up living in a luxurious exile in one of London's poshest boroughs. That's from a, a blog um, by Michael Roberts. You had Nieto's wife, who purchased? You told me the about this. The White House. Yeah, who who purchased a uh, bespoke home from a government contractor on very favorable terms uh, in a, a mysterious way. Then you we did an episode. You have about to this. look up this house though. Yeah. It's completely insane. And she was like, "I worked very hard for it." Yeah. <laughs> the, then there, then there was that uh, what when uh, a year or two ago we had on Mexicanarchist. Yeah. Uh, the disappearance of those students, which was, you know, horrifying. And then there's more spyware being used to, like, f spy on journalists. And then just a lot of embezzlement and uh, to, to take from public funds. To... Uh, yes. I mean, basically, right now, the way that the Mexican government exists, it exists, again, just to, like, transfer money that's supposed to be for social services and give it over to private contractors and give it, which sounds sort of familiar. Yeah. Uh, but, like, really, really blatant in your face corruption without like any cover up at all so when he talks about austerity he's really saying we need to give them a haircut yeah yeah, yeah. by the way i'm looking at the picture of this this white house mansion and i gotta <laughs> oh. say it's, it's oh. pretty cool yeah she, i mean I, she worked so hard on the telenovelas for that yeah which i mean apparently part of the deal was that there's supposed to be a bullet train that's going to be built along with this white house in billions of billion dollar contract with china or something yeah, I mean, it's absolutely insane. Um it's it's really like everyone that works in the government steals. It's it's and that's why I'm kind of cautious of like what is he going to actually be able to do because everyone steals. That's well, this the is whole... sort of the the forward-looking part. I pulled up um 
there's there's an article on the Washington Post about his coalition mm-hmm. that we mentioned before. It's got a mix of left wing and and more conservative elements. And the, the headline says: Marxists, evangelicals, business executives, working class activists meet Mexico's strange new ruling coalition. And at the end, um, uh, I'll just read this quote, which is a quote of um, a uh, surgeon uh, who's been involved in in the uh, coalition. Morena leaders say that they are intent on maintaining party discipline. They want to avoid the factional infighting that crippled the party of the democratic revolution, which may, which many assume will soon disappear. And then here's a quote. We must unconditionally support Lopez Obrador said Martinez Miranda, a surgeon who has been involved in leftist politics for more than four decades. Quote, his program isn't to make revolution. He said of Lopez Obrador, it's to allow people to hope again. So you get an Obama vibe from that Mm -hmm. where it's a, Right time, right place. I'm probably not going to do a whole lot, but I'm going to at least make people feel as though there is a new era in which we can leave behind the the horrible recent uh, grimy uh, history of our country. So he talks so much about cutting public spending, like uh, and government spending, and it's really just he means like let's cut, let's stop giving rich people more money. Mm-hmm. Um, via the government via the government exactly and it is kind of he out of mexico's 32 states there's a lesson for whoever didn't know 32 57 states got it (laughs) (laughs) he only didn't win one so he lost guanajuato which is where the second um place candidate he was part of the political party leadership there so it makes a lot of sense and then he tied in one other state so basically Two out of the 32 states weren't overwhelmingly... This was was a huge landslide, almost unprecedented, and like an overwhelming, you know, voice against the status quo in Mexico. Yes. Now, okay, so like that's the status quo and that's what he's facing coming into office. Like, how would you describe him politically? I mean, the media has described him as, you know, a socialist and, of course, the specter of Venezuela as mm-hmm. being, you know, waved against <laughs> the people of Mexico that, yeah. you know, you're not going to have toilet paper or, right. you know, this is this radical left-wing Weirdly, not Mexico. the specter of, of Cuba, but the specter of Venezuela as the, well, the only socialist they, thing. Yeah, I think they, like, just say them both. Like, you're going to end up, like, Venezuela and Either tyranny Cuba. or chaos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Joker um, or Bane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, so... Like, how would you describe Lopez Obrador's politics? Like, how how left wing is he? And like, in, in terms of his own politics, but also the program that he has outlined so as the leader of Mexico, it has some lefty uh, components, right? So he's come out and promised. There's been a lot of talk about privatizing uh, water, and like, we're not doing that. Water is a human right, and that's. I just saw a story today about a town in Mexico where Coca-Cola is licensed by the government to use 300,000 gallons of water a day. The town itself has no water, but what they do have is Coca-Cola. <laughs> and over the last like X amount of years that this has been going on, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, diabetes has risen by 30%. Oh. Diabetes has risen by 30% and like, oh. you know, infant mortality and just a host of ghastly uh, health problems associated with this is going on. So, yeah, yeah the privatization of water. So there's been a lot of talk. It's a mean, huge, huge topic. Yeah. Yeah. Doing supersize me to a community <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Yeah. people. Like showering yeah. with Coca-Cola, I yeah. Um So that that's a big deal. He, one of the, you know, one of the campaign promises was we're not 
nationally privatizing water. Water is a human right. Um, the other main big component was on corruption, like we've said already, in organized crime. You know, he's talked about all the policies with trying to curb back like the drug violence and how they've all been failures and we're just not going to do them anymore. So um, what, would, what would that look like? I'm not, I'm not sure because he hasn't really talked about what I'm, I'm, he's, I'm, I would imagine he's talking more, more about like the surrounding uh, factors about why people go into the what organized about just, drug network. What about network officially legalizing with. drugs? Well, it's not really consuming drugs that's the problem. It's like the violence of the cartels and like the fights over territories. But, but it like would be it, more like in America if we legalized yeah, drugs. That yeah, might, and when America legalized, but like, well, like you know, what if they started t- treating the drug cartels the way you know Saudi like it just treats drugs like a natural resource and just basically. Well, I mean, so the thing is, when when there's when there's no jobs. And the only like secure thing that's going on locally is like you could go hang out with the cartel. Like that's inevitably where you end up. So I think he's talking more about like the factors around right. those things and and change like doing just not doing any of the same things that we've done. We've done it for a long time. Now, it doesn't work. Again, in case your listeners aren't aware, Mexico has officially been at war with the drug cartel. They've they've declared war since about two thousand six and yes. it has killed over a hundred thousand people in Mexico yes. since two thousand six, which is a staggering number. I think in May there was a statistic I recently read that there was a murder every fifteen minutes. You know, it's, just a, the yeah. country is just uh, through no through no small part uh, the U.S. fueling this. There is a incredibly just violent you know uh, onslaught. It's bad. Every day. Yeah, it's really bad. But it's sometimes like again the only reliable thing to do. Um, and they've taken the government has taken hard stances, and that's killed a lot of people mm-hmm. and changed the like. When Felipe Calderón was president, he tried to take a hard stance, and basically the drug cartels just went super crazy theatrical. Like, oh, you want like you want to see what a hard stand yeah. looks like, and yeah, let's just hang everyone from the city in the middle of the day, and it was awful. It yeah. was not not good. So this <laughs> is something he has to. Uh, contend with as well as a lot of other entrenched interests and uh it seems like you know it's an ambiguous platform he's got right now because he's bringing in a lot of people and i think his his um his most uh, enthusiastic supporters probably younger as well sometimes have been disappointed by the old guard that he's had to bring in and work with and some some guys some ministers are corrupt but i just want to uh talk a little bit more about really what he has said he wants to do and not do. And this is, again, from Michael Roberts' blog, who's just a good economy dude online. AMLO's program is fundamentally Keynesian, using public investment to prime the pump of private investment and claiming that money saved from reduced corruption will deliver the funding. So already, yes. that's not that radical. And no. what what's more, he's unwilling to reverse the part privatization of Pemex, the state oil company, or end the proposed new nightmare Mexico City airport, only yes. to consider reviewing the contracts. So you've got this thing where he's not going to take over the banks, he's no. not going to renationalize Pemex, no. he's going to stimula- uh, stimulate the economy. Uh, again, shades of 2008 Obama coming yes. into a crisis so, and saying, like, let's, 
let's get some goddamn consensus up in here. Like so much of the infrastructure plan is completely public private partnerships. Again, like very neoliberal PPPs all all yeah. over again. So it's not really that radical. The the maybe good things that he said, he's going to change the retirement age from 68 to 65. Right. Um, he's talked about a jobs program. He's talked about, I mean, so he uses a lot of like nationalist rhetoric of like, we're going to subsidize, we're going to actually like farm and not just to export to the US so that people in America have avocados, but like so that we produce and mm. consume our, like our own farming, which we don't do right now because of different trade agreements and, and regulations. Um, he's talked about in terms of like climate and the environment. He's talked about like protecting the Yucatan coast, which is a big deal. Um, and that's basically it. It's not really much about, I mean, there's nothing on like, abortion education social i mean basically the money that we save from corruption we're going to put into like social services especially higher education right but that's really kind of it what about the uh like the mexican state oil company has been opened up the pemex has been opened up to private like that's been opened up to market forces under yes. pri is yes. there any indication that they're going to sort of reassert state control over oil or any other national industry? He says no. No. Okay. Just reviewing contracts, which I don't know what that means. Yeah. So it's not, it's, it's not a, and again, like if we're gra- grasping for an analogy, sometimes it's, it's a Obama kind of Bernie to tepid, you know, Keynesian thing that people are calling socialist, probably just as a function of how incredibly, you know, rapacious and brutal the, unmitigated capitalism has been for the country and so this guy like i I think it's probably a positive at least just as you said like a referendum that he got elected but he he could become uh, he could he could be a turncoat like it just through the sheer entrenched interests he has to go up against he's already cutting expectations a lot it is quite out you know it, it is a good message of if we don't want poverty we need to end corruption sure um but i'm i'm not sure what to expect and it, it is sort of like a Bernie message of the middle class is uh, gone. It does not exist anymore. The rich are getting more rich. Um, inequality, a lot, you know, he talks a lot about inequality and how mm-hmm. that has to be, um, we have to fix that. But on that note, um, I just thought it would, it would be remiss if we didn't bring up one thing. I want to bring up NAFTA. And instead of usually talking about how it, it was so bad for us, so bad, terrible deal. <laughs> the worst deal ever for yeah. the U.S. Uh, I'd actually like to talk about how bad of a deal it was for Mexico, yeah. and therefore how good of a deal it, it actually was for the U.S. Uh, as we mentioned a little bit before, um, family farmers in Mexico have basically been wiped out. Yes, um, because from 1991 to recent years, like five million family farmers just get displaced, and agro export industries, you know, um, uh, their labor just shoots up. Yep. Like like 300 million. That's loads of jobs being lost from Mexico. Wages have stayed the same as a result. Yes. Uh, the, the Mexico has gone down. Yeah. Me- Mexico, I mean, obviously, in, inequality has exploded. Poverty has, has continued to get worse and worse. And before NAFTA, um, their growth rate as a country was catching up to the U.S. And after NAFTA, that just plummets. Yeah. And uh, if, if it weren't implemented, it would probably, the, the economics say it would be a high income country with. Um, 
income per person is significantly higher than like Portugal or Greece. Boy, boy, isn't free trade great? You yeah, know, isn't it way great? Yeah. It empowers all the countries yes. to oh, take yeah. place in it, and you know, definitely isn't there to just create like a, a surf state uh, and to the United States. You know? yeah. The true irony at the bottom line of all this, although all those things are clearly important, especially to Mexicans who live there, is that there would not be immigration to the United States exactly. on any level that we see. And not, not that I'm giving you know credit to the idea there's a crisis of illegal immigrants, but there wouldn't even be that much immigration if their country hadn't been scooped out from the inside by things like NAFTA and the United yeah, States. Yeah, completely tethered our economy to the U.S. Yes. In terms... In, and a, drugs. In, a, in a very, like... Uh, in, a, in a way with, like, you have no power and no leverage and leverage and you only exist to do whatever the u.s yeah. wants you to export very bad it. again <laughs> well, you, well you mentioned this kind of uh, a, a kind of nationalist rhetoric um in, in his campaign you know that of, of course i've seen um people compare uh him to trump you know <laughs> he's a he's, he's the mexican trump because he's you know speaking in nationalist tones and insulting nafta yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, why but, might he do that yeah there are currently NAFTA, there are NAFTA negotiations going on right now between the Amer- America and Mexico, which Trump has actually put on hold because of the presidential election, and he's going to wait to restart them until Lopez Obrador gets in there. Yeah. Again, any indication of what these negotiations will look like, or what kind of stance he's going to take the, the, for this more, if if this more nationalist uh, rhetoric is to be believed. He he's talked much uh, like mainly about farming and how we should be able to produce and eat, you know, go back to producing for ourselves and what we want and not just to ship whatever, um, whatever the American market is not getting, you know, getting the, at the best. But you're getting all this free Coca-Cola in return. Yeah, I though. know. It's just but, free so, fountain soda, free refills. Exactly. Whole free country. refills forever yeah. in Mexico. That sounds like a good deal. And Mexican Coca-Cola is so much it's better. better. It is better. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. How stupid are we, folks? Yeah, we, all the, folks, all, they kept all the real cane sugar for themselves. Yeah. That's probably what he's talking about anytime he talks about how the deal was bad. That's really what's on his mind. But... That so that's he's talked a lot qu- quite a bit about the farming and the subsidies to the farmers yeah. and for that to be for that industry to to improve and and yeah. flourish. And well, do that well. is a huge. I mean, that is a huge. You know, yeah, segment of the economy that's been destroyed and yeah, it's basically sold to America. But I don't know anything about like manufacturing or like the. I mean, so much of the different like. Uh, manufacturing plants for different car makers and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm not sure. I don't know what to expect. Well, he definitely did well in all groups. And as you said, he's, it was a sweep. Um, I think it was like 53%. Yes, 53% you know, of votes. 42 million people voted. Which is post-war the biggest, the biggest sweep it's, ever, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's and huge. So, but there were, I think he had less support significantly in the, spe- the quote-unquote special economic zones near the border with the U.S. because these are the places, of course, in which those ties with the uh, great Satan are the most real and you're going to push back against a lot of institutional interests uh, to not change things and to not be Obama and to not eat dog and, uh, <laughs> and do uh-huh. things like that. So, um, yeah, like like there's there's going to be a war on him. I think it was someone on Twitter, I don't remember who it was, but they screen capped the... Uh, uh, this headline of him of of um, of Amlo saying, "I I'm not going to be using bodyguards. You know, I I trust the uh, I trust the Mexican uh, uh, people and and my, and my country." And then someone just was like, "Buddy, rethink this." Like, like that's yeah, you're, I, you're, I you got a huge target on your back. I 
use bodyguards like yeah, when I I'm know. home. Like, you have two of them right here. Uh, uh... <laughs> I mean, the sort of interesting thing, there were a couple of like really big um, chains, like chains, like the Aero Mexico, like the the big um, Mexican airline. Like they went, they went really hard on their AMLO campaigns of like telling their employees not to vote for him. Mm. Um, so that was sort of interesting. Yeah. Don't, uh, and there was, and they, they, you know, people that were against him did spend a lot of time of like, don't just angry vote, which sounded familiar. Don't boo vote except don't vote if you're angry yeah uh, like don't just angry vote which really really sounded you know i was like this is this is familiar i remember this um and there was a lot of things of like mexico isn't that bad like the salaries are not that bad it's and already the social great, services yeah it's already great like ah. that like that so it was sort of interesting to see you know on it was really just mostly about change it was really yeah. mostly like well, in a weird way, he is different. a mirror image of Trump, but in the sense that, like, he, he is the reason why like, Trump is the reason why he is the supposed analogy to Trump, which is that Trump is America. America destroyed Mexico. You're going to get nationalistic about about that. Yeah. You're going to be populist. You're going to have to make probably then some allegiances with right wing people. So it's like he it's not totally wrong that, like, he's kind of a. He's and a he's Trumpish about, figure as far as yeah. nationalism, but that doesn't mean putting people in cages in Mexico's case. It means no. being nationalistic and wanting to take your economy back and having people stop dying every 15 minutes. Right. Which, you know, is sort of the whole power dynamic. Right. Between us and and I mean, if you if you hear, you know, when he talks about austerity and things like that, then he does kind of you. It's, it would not be completely stupid to say, oh, this there could be some parallels here. If you, you could piecemeal together without context. Some okay, parallels so, to Trump. So, but when he says in those uh, that sort of austerity vocabulary uh, that we're going to slash this and slash that, that what I guess the full thought though is that he means because then we're it's going corrupt. To, because it's corrupt, and then we're going to republicly finance. Uh, no. Okay. He's, so what does that mean? Not, he's not going that far. Okay. So it could is, end up being more is, private. Yes. Uh, uh, see, so that's bad. Yeah. So it's yeah. this like it's this like halfway thing of like we're all anti-corruption and that's. In large part due to the government, but there's so no gonna, vision on like. But beyond the public, that, yeah, on he the could state, contribute, right? Yeah. He could contribute to a further privatization. And, and think about it; it makes sense if the state is so corrupt. Right. You don't imagine the future with the right. state right. taking over everything because right. they're going to steal and fuck everything. So up true, again. and it, it's sort of like how by the end of the Soviet Union, like all the propaganda uh, from the state had equated socialism and the Soviet uh, model that everyone in in inside the country had to say, well, uh, yeah, no, this is socialism. There's no other better version of socialism. There's no way to make it better. Right. So I think I do want Boris Yeltsin to literally get drunk every day and sell all of our country to <laughs> yeah, the Peter Thiels of the time. <laughs> because at that point, it's such a poisoned concept. And it's such a, it's just, it is equivalent with corruption and, and shortages and stuff that, it's bankrupt. And so then a couple of years later, in that case where you see people are literally about to vote a communist back into office and going, oh, actually, we like socialism. We just didn't want that shitty right. version of it. Uh, in this case, people probably are so poisoned on the idea of the state doing anything for yes. them that there is a greater tolerance of private uh, entrepreneurship or activism. Yeah. And, you know, to me, I hear public private partner partnerships and I just like cringe. Sure. But. To, I, I get, in the, I, I get in, that, in the Mexican context, it's like it it's, could maybe work. Like it could maybe be less corrupt. Yeah, comparatively, right. Yeah. What already is a public-private partnership? It already is. It's like the right. worst version of it's, that. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I just from a New York Times uh, article about the elections, they uh, talked about you know uh, comparisons to uh, you know Hugo Chavez and, and Venezuela, <laughs> which you know they assure us are overblown, but they speak to uh, Duncan Wood, who's the director of the Mexico Institute at the Wilson Center Duncan in Washington, <laughs> and he says. Uh, about uh, he says, uh, Mr. Lopez Obrador must still convince investors that his policies will be business friendly. Oh. And Duncan Wood says they are far from enthusiastic, but they are adopting a wait and see attitude. So nice I think I think that yeah. about sums up Washington's yeah. yep. uh, the, the business community in this country's stance on it. Yep. I you know if like I said if you were talking about you know a hugely ambitious or aggressive program of like left-wing renationalization mm-hmm. right. my guess is they would not be taking a wait and see <laughs> yeah. approach right. they would be calling the new director of the cia right yeah. now yeah no you know, the, the the companies and you know the investors right now they're kind of um they're saying oh well, we're gonna talk and we're gonna work something out and it'll be fine yeah they might neuter him i mean amlo doesn't want you know he's he's saying i'm not against private enterprise right I, we want them to invest and continue yeah. to invest so yeah um, by the way, shouting out two of our friends, one who's a, still a co-host of the show, Matt uh, recently went on Mike Racine's podcast, The Sit Down, and talked about assassination. That was a great episode. It was a great episode, and there's a lot of really, I mean, genuinely, you know, it's that classic Kush rant uh, formula where Matt just- I uh, love Kush rants. Kush rants, uh, a lot of those where it, it's a, a very good primer on, because it's about assassinations, it's therefore a very good primer on uh, policy in Latin America from the United States. And yeah, anytime someone is making even a a um, whisper of a noise against American interests, there is already a little red dot sort of just following them around for, <laughs> yeah. you know, the rest of that year. And yeah. we'll see how much he really runs afoul of that, uh, how much AMLO does. But you could get shot by for, for a lot less and if he, history's a guide. Yeah. I mean, why, why again, do you have no bodyguards? It's just, yeah. no, dude. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's he's actually he he's uh, bluffing on that and he has like Halo style super invisible cloaked bodyguards. <laughs> he's trying to look cool, but like he should probably have some. Well, I mean, speaking again about the the the, the violence issue, I'd like to to go back to this um, this war that Mexico has been fighting on the card, like basically a, a civil war. And yeah. again, I'm staggered by like, yeah. the, the reading that statistic about how many people have been killed. I mean, that's been the most innovative sector of the mexican economy for real they i mean they've just like completely gone a whole other level (laughs) but like like what is like the you know for for you know what what is like the overall public attitude about this war like do people are people sick of it do they just want to like surrender or do they want to like keep fighting it or are people just or do people just sort of if you're not in an area where there's a lot of cartel violence you just sort of like tune it out so a couple of things um it's it it got really really bad when Felipe Calderón was president, and that then then at that point there was a real sense of fear because it, it sort of all the unspoken rules and agreements of like you can do your business, just do it you know at night and don't hurt women and children and things like that. Like all those rules were broken, and so there was a real sense of fear. They the the cartel started doing like new tactics of like just going to collect from every single business in town and you have no choice or you know otherwise you get killed on the spot or they started kidnapping people and getting ransom you know asking for ransoms and that actually made a lot of money and so they were, yeah that's why i'm saying they were this was like the most innovative <laughs> yeah they, be, they, they, they you know they pioneered you know they new frontiers creative in sadism in how to and get cruelty more money. Yeah. yeah um and then and and the, and you know the 
the thing about Mexico, um, like culture with this, there's there's always been a sense of nostalgia of like, well, sometimes the drug um, kingpins are like are the social workers where they actually build schools or they actually do good. I mean, yes, they're also raping women and like killing so many people, but then they give back to the community and they invest in it. The Robin Hood thing. Yeah. And so people have very weird attitudes about, well, I think it's just because we have to accept it in one way or the other. It's the only world that we know. And it's, it, it pays off the debt of our, like it pays off our national debt. Well, they're like multi-billion-dollar industries yeah. that are like basically de facto states into themselves right yeah. now. That are, that can, as they've proven, go to war with the government and fight them to a stalemate, or if not, win yeah. outright. So, I mean, it's yeah, it's hard to imagine what <laughs> what you do with that other than just I don't know, uh, like I said, so surrender. People or, admire, you know, El Chapo. Like people admire of like oh they but they go to a restaurant and they're so nice like they pay for everyone's meal when they go in there just don't bother them and they don't bother you and let's let just let them do their business so it's kind of a mix of yeah it got really it got really bad in the early 2000s with under felipe calderon but then after that it, once things went back to normal like quote unquote people were quite happy about that but it, but in in Lopez Obrador in this campaign was the cartels an issue or was it more just this idea of government corruption? No, he talked a lot about the drug crime. Okay, yeah, and like in what context? Like in in what regard? There's too much. um, Just bad. There's too much drug (laughs) crime. (laughs) You know, there's too much uh, infighting over territories. There's too much violence on the border. There's too much drug violence in general. There's too much. Uh, of all of that and everything that we've tried has failed so we're not gonna we're gonna have to do something else um okay the last question i have is to what extent in in this latest political election or in mexico's politics in general like to what extent is america's current political moment of uh you know insane xenophobia and racism against uh mexicans and immigrants uh and like you know our insanely jingoistic and nationalist turn is that being, uh, you know, obviously people are aware of it, but like, how is that being uh, received or, uh, you know, dealt with in Mexican politics and culture? Right. right now? So he said, he said, we're not someone's uh, political prop. Like, we're not someone, uh, we're, we're not inferior people. We're not an inferior country. We are human beings and we shouldn't be taken advantage of and we shouldn't just be used uh, for political manipulation of, uh, to you know, convince Americans of whatever message Trump wants. So it's definitely been uh, an issue of like we want someone to stand up for us. We want someone to uh, stand up for the farmers. We want someone to stand up about like different jobs programs and um, not let. So people hated Peña Nieto's response to. He, he, they didn't, you know, he didn't tell Trump we're not doing the we're not paying for the wall. Like people wanted him to be more assertive and talk back of like fuck, you know, fuck the wall. But he didn't really do that. Uh-huh. He was kind of. No, you can say it. You can say it. Let the record reflect. Karina was going to say pussy and then stopped. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, I'm good. I, I, sounds good. Sounds like everything's pretty much taken care of. So. <laughs> well, uh, we will we will take a wait and see approach as well. But uh, overall, it sounds like it's it's 
for the time being, good news uh, yes. for Mexico. It changed. You know, yeah. And really, things were really shitty. So that's the one silver lining. Even people who are not excited and kind of skeptical are like, well, at least it's different. At least let's see what happens. And people, you know, you give them a taste of something good, they start wanting more of it. So if he, even if he does a couple things that start to break up this horrible uh, status quo, it's contagious. And maybe it gets out of it, his control. And let's even if he hope- starts to sell out. Let's just hope he gets some bodyguards. Yeah, that's like. Can we send can uh, we any listeners <laughs> yeah, yeah. willing to? Uh, yeah. You know, you want to? You want to? Have any experience in that field? Uh, yeah. Please. Yeah. Free copies of the book if you yeah. go and catch a bullet for Amlo. Uh, Karina, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank Thanks, Karina. You. Okay, uh, we are back. It's still me, Will Meniker. No more Brendan, but I've got Matt and Amber. Checking in. What's hey. going on, guys? Yo. Uh, Amber, for all the people who keep asking, where's Amber? Every time Amber isn't in the room, people <laughs> should be asking, where's Amber? Let's play this edition of Where in the World is Amber uh, Lee Frost this past week. Uh, I was actually in Durham at the Miners Gala. Um, that, been... That's Durham United Kingdom. Yes. That's, that's the, that's the, the English. It's not, Durham. yeah, the original yeah. Durham. Yeah. It has the... an actual castle in it. That's amazing. Yeah. And then what? And uh, what were you there for? Um, I was there for the Durham Miners Gala, which is a the largest um, kind of workers' celebration in, in the world. It's been going on for over a hundred years, and it's super, super, super cool. And it's also shocking that it's still going on because, as you know, in the like Thatcher successfully during the eighty four eighty five miner strike strikes, just like hobbled the mining industry and the miners as workers. Um, but it's still, it's still going, as, and it's still incredibly popular as just kind of a, a, a cultural touchstone of the workers' movement. And there's sort of new life in it now because, uh, you know, Jez is, Jez is going to be prime minister. They also um, eat the world's largest steak and kidney pie. Uh, yeah, they, they, they do that. Um, it stretches from uh, the vicars to the whores. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Does everyone get a ceremonial canary in a cage when you come to the? Uh, everyone dinner? gets a nice big inhalation of 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 coal vapor. Um, just oh, to, yeah, yeah. Back you got that then, new yeah. coal jewel. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was really cool. I've I've uh, I've been doing these shows for a while to collect um, kind of uh, interviews, etc., for a book, and this is supposed to be my very last one. So I'm going to start actually publishing stories about this stuff so I, i'll talk about it more in depth more from amber soon yeah. to come stay tuned tune tune however uh the one thing i will tell that won't make it into a book is that a literal chav nicked me literal mobile bollocks <laughs> and was it in front of a tesco uh no is it the stansted airport oh. i like uh my my wallet broken went everywhere and a bunch of stuff fell on the ground and of course, a a sort of crowd of people because the English are very nice. Start except like for picking up chavs. stuff for me. Except some chap. I don't know if he was a chav. In my mind, he was a chav. He was it's a bloody a, chav. He's, he's got an actually, on him. I think that um, that subculture is actually in decline. Which is don't like, tell me that. Like I they, love it so much. I don't think they really exist anymore. I love it, mate. I love me bloody trackseat. Yeah. Well, I think that the. Um, I love the knocking over still exist, but they're no longer. Tesco. They're no longer chavs. Oh, um, no. I some, know. Someone nicked your mobile. Someone did nick my mobile. Um, I love pilfering crisps from Marks and Sparks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
which I don't—I mean, I didn't know how to deal with it. Anyway, um, so enjoy the nudes, Callum, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, I think I think also like the policy is like if you ever take a nude, you're accepting that at some point everyone in the world is going to see the. Oh nude. yeah, no. At so this I believe point, in that. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I uh, uh, only believe in uh, giving nudes to a dying man because yes. I I think. I'm a Christian in that way. Right. Yeah. Like I wait till someone is on their like last leg and like I'm a, like, you know what? Here's, here's just like something for you to yeah. get you through it's the like night. The, uh, it's like, it's like the scene in Soylent Green where they wheel Edward G. Robinson into that room. <laughs> right. Except they just show you a slideshow of all of Amber's nudes. Yeah. Right. But I mean, if you're like stealing four year old iPhones in the Stansted airport, <laughs> you're probably not seeing your best days anyway. So like, yeah, you know, well, uh, have fun. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if a you, chav literally nicked me mobile. You, I can't get over it. If you have Amber's phone and would like to return <laughs> it, please mail it to you. You're going to get scurvy house. next. Yeah. You're going to yeah. really get the entire British experience. Yeah. Um, uh, moving on, I'd just like, uh, like to quickly address a bit of uh, cultural news from the arts and entertainment section. Uh, now that Felix is not in the room, uh, in case anyone was wondering, uh, Felix <laughs> and Virgil are in L.A., Took a little boys trip. Uh, did not invite us, but yeah, whatever. That's fine. I'm not here nor right there. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> I didn't punch but, uh, holes I'm in doing my this drywall. story specifically because Felix isn't in the room to chime in. So I'm just going to do it on my own now. Uh, so I mean, it's a burden to share this with you. I feel like you know uh, Murrow or something, or Cron- Cronkite, <laughs> a when, uh, JFK got a assassinated from Florida. Apparently, official. <laughs> you take no uh, joy in this. Apparently, Takashi Six Nine will be going to prison. Oh, snap. In the very near future, no. for an unspecified but probably long time. That precious boy. Just from his Instagram here, it says, "I'm giving you one last music video this Sunday before I go to jail forever." <laughs> so, I like that he cannot close his mouth. <laughs> Like no, physically incapable. He's 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 like doomed to have a stupid face. Yeah, from birth. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I, I love Felix's affection for for. It is funny that that's the one thing he gets serious about. That's I I think it's very sweet. I mean, it's like um, it's like the it's like Steinbeck, <laughs> like you know, like the the guys in Cannery Row. Yeah. Felix has enough humanity to have a great affection for the. For the for yeah. the botched and bungled for the for the downtrodden SoundCloud rappers of America, yeah, the people who who merely have their rapping wares to they, sell, they can't they can't not fuck it up. Like they've yeah. never had an opportunity, they can't fuck no, up. No, they will destroy everything. Yeah, yeah. If if they got enough money, they would and and didn't get killed or go to jail, they would just stack it all up and then get crushed like one of the Collier brothers. Yeah, <laughs> that's how they're just doomed to fuck up no matter what. But don't worry, guys. There's going to be a new one. There's a 10-year-old kid covered in tattoos in Florida with Marge Simpson's hairdo <laughs> who's going to become the next sensation that we all care about until he oozes an entire school. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's a bit of uh, arts and entertainment news for you. Uh, be, be on the lookout for uh, Felix's uh, special bonus solo episode, <laughs> Good Night, Sweet Prince, the Sakashi 69 story. It's going to be five hours long and he will cry. <laughs> He's going to personally annotate every single one of his lyrics and songs and maybe interview the man himself if someone can sneak him a cell phone in the <laughs> joint. So if you know if you know how to contact Takeshi 69 behind bars in any of New York State's correctional facilities, please also get in touch with Chapa Trap House. <laughs> um, all right. Now... Uh, we spoke with Karina about uh, Mexico's elections, but uh, I'd like to talk now about our elections, if you will. The most important elections. So-called elections. Our so-called elections. And 
how they have been now definitively and forever sullied by foreign influence. You know, folks, we got a lot of comments, you know, over the last several shows from angry listeners going, why aren't you addressing the Mueller indictments? Yeah. Well, where is where is your four hour show about going through reading the entire Mueller indictments? Yeah. Who are these people? Who are these twelve Russians that have been indicted? They're, they're from the Drew. Yeah. They're from G R U. Yes. George they're, they're, George Racism <laughs> University. Uh, you know where was your show about the Helsinki summit? Where the disgrace? Where the disgrace of our disgrace? Pres- President Cheeto officially. Got on his he knees and sucked that man's Vladimir Putin. He did it. Trump and Putin sitting in a tree. K I S S I N P. Okay, the the final and ultimate disgrace. America, America. Lowest our point. forefathers, mm-hmm. our flags, our, our five fathers, our, our six our, fathers, our, our traditions. Dare I say, our seven fathers? Our government just spinning in their grave over what has happened today. And oh. yesterday and the day before. So, yeah, I mean, well, now we're going to talk about that, yeah. you know, which is uh, to say still don't really give a yeah, shit. No, okay. It's funny yeah, to yeah, me. Okay. Um, okay. I yeah. didn't watch the Helsinki summit. Apparently, everyone's so mad because uh, he just said, said the thing that he said a million times, but on foreign soil. Yeah. No, he said uh, while Putin was standing next to him that he, <laughs> he didn't believe that uh, what the uh, FBI. Yeah. Which he has said really laid times. out, which he has said before. But so now people are, are playing this up to be like, this is fine. No, but wait. And then he said there was meddling, but it could have been by a lot of people. There are a lot of people. No, he said that after that. That was the most amazing part. Is he actually did get a lot of pushback? But he's not wrong. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of people. There's at least there are many. There's at least a hundred of them. Yeah, Uh, he got a lot of sternly worded (laughs) "How dare you, sirs?" from Republicans. So about 24 hours later, he did say that in the conference when he said it wasn't Russians, he meant to say it was. Well, no, he said he said what he said at the uh, at the press conference was I don't see any reason to believe it was the Russians. And then 24 hours later, he came out with a, with a, pres- with a statement that said, I, I meant to say there's not any reason to think it wasn't the Russians. But, right. And then as Ember said, he also liked to say, <laughs> could have been the Russians, could have been other people. Yeah. There were lots of people. Yeah. Lots of people. There are lots of people who know about computers. Couldn't, I couldn't fit them all in this room. <laughs> nope. That's how many nope. people there are. Uh, so yeah, like th- th- this is now... Uh, you know, the Trump Putin thing and then coming right on the heels of this later uh, Mueller indictment, which, you know, d- does lay out the extent to which Russian government actors interfered in the election. People who will never, by the way, be, ch- be tried yeah, in American are, courts. They won't be no. extradited. It's literally meaningless. No American has been charged with any material connection to the Russian hacking or dis- or collusion, whatever that is. It's not a criminal fucking offense. It's just like, you know, and, that, and, and people like this is the. This has been like the crown jewel for, you know, the resistance types, yeah. you know, the people who care about our democracy and what Donald Trump has done to it. Uh, they, you know, it sort of seems to be like, you know, at long last. Yeah. Can't you now Chapo podcast? Yeah. Asshole, can I you actually now, had a guy. Quote can tweet, you now admit I got a quote? That you tweet, were wrong. I got a quote tweet on the day uh, of an old tweet of mine where I just said, nobody cares about Russia, you fucking idiots. And he goes, what's the opposite of an evergreen tweet? Ooh, and I was just thinking, you're so you're you a temperate you're deciduous pro- tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally true. Very good. I came in uh, with the tree joke. Uh, but I worry sometimes that I've lost my ability to riff. <laughs> but they fucking it's like 
Who's mad? Who's screaming about this? The same people who've been screaming about it for over a year. You know, I, I don't want to Nothing has like, changed, you maniacs. I don't want to be like, oh, this is how the people with the healthier left political culture uh, think of us. But at one point, uh, I was talking to some people in Durham about like uh, the, the Romaniacs, like yeah. the people who want to call uh, a second referendum to stay within the EU. Turn those like, machines a long time. back on! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're like, they don't get like how alienating that is to people. He's like, it's like with your Russia thing. He's like, why do they think people care about this? Yeah. Why do they think that they're going to get people who they have like who they spent the last however many years alienating back on their side with this? But we were robbed thing yeah. like that's completely stupid. Well, they, they- and moreover, I I mean, they're like it's it's similar to uh, the, the the Brexit shit too because they think if there was a second referendum that. Uh, that actually they would they would stay they would remain. He's like, but you don't know that. No, they don't. And, they also, and like, and if we counted all of the, if we if we got every bit of uh, whatever collusion or or whatever and quantified it and figured out if that wasn't there, if there was some way to do that, you don't know that Hillary would have won still oh, anyway. Not. So I who mean, fucking cares? And, and also with the remain thing, they also you know know that Russia you know interfered in that as well That's true. or like that and again like i i remember i have nothing to take back because i remember saying like as soon as this became a story i just took it at face value that russia put their finger why on the scale why wouldn't you want why one wouldn't your biggest they? rallies here's, but here's rivals to be governed by a dunce moron but here's the thing dying brain here's the thing like i don't think it is like this genuine one to one where they're literally like dictating what no. he does and says no of course but like not. the thing is I still don't care and I can't get mad about it because like good on them. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you're not cheating, you're not trying, yeah. okay? And I'm sorry if you don't think America does the same thing and oh, even, even to a more blatant and criminal degree in other countries, like you're out of your fucking and mind. In Russia mind. specifically. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Made, we got we dragged the bloated fucking vodka filled corpse of Yeltsin across the line in 1996 to keep the communists from getting back in power. And then he sold off the entire country to the oligarchs who are now fucking with our election and bribing Trump. Wow. Karma is a bitch. Again, it's my just favorite like, thing about it, though, okay. is that statement on Tuesday where I said, actually, when I said was, I meant wasn't. <laughs> because you know that what happened was is that they actually did get their biggest ever, absolutely got their biggest ever pushback from Republicans. I mean, of course, it's all meaningless. None of them are going to do anything about it. Jeff, Jeff Flake, Jeff Fuck, and fucking... Uh, McCain, none of them are going to do anything. Even Neil Cavuto said it was a bad look. Oh, well, but, you mean you've lost Cavuto. Exactly. Uh, you've lost Cavuto. You've lost Lou Dobbs. No, you'll <laughs> never lose Lou Dobbs. Uh, and they realize, okay, we have to say something about this. This is actually kind of a blowback. And you know that there was a fucking war room, you know, in the West Wing, a bunch of guys late into the night with the coffee pots going, okay, what do we do? And they've got the thing and they're like, well, what if we just say that he meant the other word? <laughs> and that's why, as we've said before, I want to see a Sorkin-esque take on this White House and just so people can see this is what, this is how the sausage, this is the sausage that's being made. It's not this soaring eloquence and these guys just riffing off each other's policy and rhetorical genius. It's a bunch of absolute dullards who, from Georgetown going, okay, uh, what if we say it was... Uh, there was actually supposed to be a T at the end. <laughs> That's it. Um, but like you know, go, going off this, like uh, you, you you spoke about uh, uh, Jeff Fuck. There's another Jeff. There's fuck. two Jeff. Fucks. There's two Jeff. Fucks. There's the senator. Fuck. Yeah. There's the senator one who's like a Republican, but like a how dare you, sir? Uh, yeah. 
By the way, every one of these Republicans could could literally switch parties, especially like, like a guy Jim, like was Flake. It Jim, Jim Jeffords did, or uh, yes, uh, especially a guy like Flake because Flake's not running for re-election. He has nothing to lose. He could absolutely caucus with the Dems. McCain is going to be dead in six weeks. He could caucus with the Dems, and they're not doing it because they like all the stuff they're passing and they like all the judges that they're confirming. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, they're not going to ever give up judges because no. that's no. what they really care about. But okay, so there's another Jeff fuck. This is the Jeff Feck who's like this bald sort of like. <laughs> Androsky called him like a Dr. Robotnik looking guy. Like he's this bald resistant shithead who like, you know, on the heels of all this was like hits hit some god awful thing where he was like, I've literally had rose emojis making fun of me for saying that Americans care care about Russia more than like health care or something like this guy's whole income inequality. Yeah, I- income inequality. Yeah. This guy's whole thing was like, can you believe the ignorant saps who think that the average voter cares more about jobs and health care those fucking than, than our president our commander in chief sullying the flag of this country with treason yeah except, i think yeah. i i think they're operating under the assumption that people believe that we live in a democracy yes which is Completely false. Everyone knows that the game is rigged. But the game Everyone. Is, if you are an upper middle class professional, committed Democratic voter who's really invested in things like, you know, uh, comedy and civility and decency and, you know, our democratic norms and procedures, it, it's kind of a democracy for you. Yeah. You know, uh, like, I mean, like, politics does generally it's reflect a micro the, democracy, the things you yeah. believe in and, like, the, your preferences. Or, but I think, I mean, it's just a non-starter. Like... You, you, there's no way to even measure how much people value democracy because I don't think anyone has ever encountered one. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what are you even talking about? You're speaking a different language. And to be honest, I'm not that invested with democracy. <laughs> but, like, you know, for anyone who's not already a committed Democratic partisan who's, you know, furious about the 2016 election and Trump and, and Russiagate and all that, I'm sorry, like, this is fool's gold if you think this Russia shit is going to get out the vote for Democrats in 2018. And the thing is, I'm sorry, I don't they're just whining, buy it. They're the just is, whining we don't even, assholes. We don't even have to fucking guess. These assholes love to talk about how much they love data and facts and how all these fucking starry-eyed socialists don't understand reality. Every fucking poll that has been taken of American voters about how they rank importance of issues has put Russia so far down on the list that often it doesn't even get a fucking numerical value. <laughs> Not kidding. The last poll that just came out, they weren't even on there with a number said Russian, Russian interference. That's the reality. And they, these people, these reality-based community members have convinced themselves that because everyone on their timeline is all, all part of the same insane, like, Witch's coven that thinks that they can tweet their way into making Trump disappear like he's in the picture back to the future that everybody else must agree with them. And they really don't log off. Take a breath. Yeah, it's a really inconsistent empiricism. Yeah. Only when it suits Uh, them. Kind of weird. Another example of this is like during the uh, Helsinki summit. This is one of my favorite things that I saw during that day. Uh, Bernie Sanders uh, it was also like oh, it was Amazon Prime Day. Yes, it was. Uh, Bernie Sanders uh, tweeted. He was like, I would like Jeff Bezos to face his Amazon workers who are struggling for better conditions. And the mere fact that he was like calling out Jeff Bezos and Amazon on the same day yeah. as 
Trump uh, kowtowed to Putin. I saw so many people uh, getting angry at him, including Joan Walsh literally yep. quoted him and said, please, sir. Yeah. Or she was like, excuse me. Excuse me. What are you doing? Yeah. And I just saw this now from a uh, this is Asha Rangappa, who's a former FBI special agent. And she says, I could look at Bernie Sanders Twitter feed in the last 12 hours, which has four milquetoast critiques of Trump's comments today versus 52 against Amazon, Walmart and McDonald's. No RTs of anyone else's condemnations. Clearly, he's pretty upset about what went down. So, yeah, he's not. Who cares how upset he is? He's not doing yeah. Twitter correctly. Who gives a for shit? These What's people? it going to matter how upset he is? And he also di- look at Bernie Sanders. He's always upset. He's very mad at everything. But uh, here's what I like to say: like people who are like, you know, he's he's choo- oh, very interesting. He's choosing to go after Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, which has been critical of Trump on the day when Trump yeah. does this. And I got to say, uh, okay, in terms of like human evil uh vladimir putin has definitely killed way more people than jeff bezos again it's it's hard to it's hard to gauge that but in terms of people who are actively subverting american democracy and making this country worse jeff bezos is a million times zillion times vladimir putin one far greater domestic seattle passed a head tax and internationally too like yeah, oh, yeah. those, those workers are all over the world. The right. ones who are striking are doing so in Europe. Yeah. And by the way, it's work. Apparently it's doing good. People are saying that they're fucking scrambling and they're not, they're not the prime is not going. Prime day is not going the way that they thought it would. And that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, the, the Seattle tried to pass a, a, a modest head tax on companies to pay for housing and, and treatment for, for their exploding homeless population. And Amazon, they didn't even have to conduct an anti-democratic, a propaganda campaign to get him to repeal it. They just threatened to, yeah. and they got them to back down. How how fucking democratic is that? That that, that Putin never did anything that overtly uh, hostile to the interests of the citizens of an American city than that. So fuck him. Putin has literally done nothing to me personally, <laughs> like nothing to any American personally. I mean, maybe he fed some like gymnast to a tiger once, but we won't know about that. <laughs> I could just, I remember, I, I just, you say that, and I hear already the out the wails of outrage. I'll make your claim suck my that, dick. that Putin has not done anything to any American. How dare you, ma'am? He he made Trump president. It's like again. This is this is. If ha- you don't think Jeff Bezos is more responsible for Trump's presidency than Vladimir yes, Putin, you're yes, a fucking yes. dickhead. And I'm yes, sorry, queen. it's ha- it's hacked by this point. I'll just say it again. Until Mueller or the FBI can literally prove that Putin stopped the Hillary Clinton campaign from ever visiting <laughs> Michigan or Wisconsin, I'll just ignore it yeah. because I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, I do not give a shit. He, he did not win the election for Trump, and they also didn't, no one cares. They didn't make the the Democrats a. a Nominate Hillary Clinton, dissolve as a regional party in the largest parts of the country and allow Republicans to put up giant barriers to voting and suppressing uh, uh, turnout. They wrote off entire parts of the country, destitute parts of the country because they were like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, we'll get those. We'll get those outraged suburb rich suburbanites. Mm -hmm. We're the party of Prius. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's old hat for us at this point. But I mean, when they're in they're in high, the, the people are in high froth yeah. now about this Russia yeah. stuff. Well, hopefully, so I froth. It, by so now, froth. I think they've deep all lather. they've all they've all taken a deep breath. They've all had their juice boxes, and I think they hopefully they'll calm down soon. Because settle down, everyone. 
No, I think their heads are going to fucking explode. That would be funny, too. I think they're going to shit their pants in public and like they're going to do that thing that that Coney guy did where they was naked on the fucking overhead pass oh, or whatever. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where this ends. Why doesn't anyone care about Putin? Because they don't. Because who cares? Yeah, and yet they still can't manage the passion of like the QAnon people. I know. I mean, those guys. One guy he took. He fucking put his bloodless. truck uh, on the Hoover Dam to get the president to. <laughs> it was release, an armored car. Yeah, too. To, to release a cool. non-existent uh, report that would arrest all the pedophiles. <laughs> Uh, they don't even have the commitment to do that. They're just going to yell at everybody on Twitter. It's pathetic. You're just saying, sir. <laughs> yeah, Getting- it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna embrace that sort of of self reinforcing conspiratorial mindset, go all the way. You know, put the fucking cork yeah. board up. Put the put the pieces of uh, of you know yarn connecting the things. Smear feces on your wall. Threaten your neighbor with a shotgun. Take it seriously. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. It just betrays that either they're complete cowards or they're histrionic, and this is completely cynical. Like, either they don't believe it or they're not committed enough to care. That's true. Are there, or like, I mean, All they can do is tantrum. It's yeah. like the, the Bernie Sanders... And The Bernie yeah. Sanders thing is so indicative of this, because it's like, imagine being like, you know, he's probably the only politician or one of the few national politicians I can think of that's trying to... Uh, shine a, shed a light on Amazon's truly atrocious labor practices and, like, the fact that you want to talk about Russia, one of those fucking warehouses is like a gulag as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. You can like, your every step you take is timed by some algorithm and you can literally only go to the bathroom like once every 12 hours or something like that. If you can look at that, like that kind of treatment of people that is just accepted and considered okay by the standards of like normal political discourse, I'm sorry, that has more to do why Trump is president than fucking Putin. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that like people are just incredible they're just ground down day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute by mega corporate employers like Amazon so that, you know, we all can get like $3 off some, you know, fucking chair or yeah. household appliance. Yeah, a dongle that'll yeah. break in 2 weeks. You know, uh so I don't know what else to say about that other than uh, if you must buy our book, don't use Amazon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah, getting getting mad because he's uh, you know talking about the labor rights of an exploited population of workers uh, on the day when you want him to be share your outrage about our fucking emotional. our flag in yeah. our country and, uh, you know, Russia. It's all just these people like they, they're just like. They're all boomers who grew up in the Cold War, and it like never ended in their fucking yeah. mind. It's just like, and, they, and it's just they're 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 the, what I keep coming back to is just how how I don't understand how they think it's supposed to work because if they think that Mueller is going to get the goods right, well then it's going to end up all with you know uh, uh, indictments and everyone uh, confessing and impeachment and all that stuff because of facts found by an investigation that are then turned into a prosecution. If that's not it, what do you think tweeting about it is going to do? I mean, what what do you think yelling all the time is going to do about it, as opposed to trying to craft a broadly appealing message to people who feel like politics doesn't speak to them because their lives haven't been improved by it? <sighs> yeah, uh, I got no know what else to, uh, to say about that. Uh, I have this to say. Uh, Comrade Putin, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, this is the... Uh, this is the last thing I wanted to bring up. This is uh, semi-related to uh, what we were speaking about with uh, Karina. But uh, this was a, 
this is something I saw this week and uh, knew I had to talk about. This is a headline here. Overwhelming majority of Trump supporters sees MS-13 as a threat to the United States. Of course. Makes sense. And then also uh, says an overwhelming blah, blah, blah. blah. Uh, 85% of Trump voters said they think the gang is a very serious or somewhat serious threat. Around 50% told posters they fear for themselves or loved ones, <laughs> despite the fact that most of the gang's victims are Central American immigrants. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about this, like, MS-13 is probably exists in, like, maybe three cities in America. Yeah, and on the coasts. Uh, you know, and as as I said there, the, the majority of their victims are other immigrants from Central America who yeah. are around them and liable to be extorted and uh, abused by yeah. them. This is real, like, the village's mindset. Oh, yeah. It's like, total when, this is like when you were inundated with headlines about MS-13 every single day on talk radio and Fox News, you 50% of these people think that it is likely that like they personally and their loved ones is going to be macheted to death yes. by some guy with like a clown tattooed on his face. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be at the fucking Cheesecake Factory in like fucking Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and a fucking MS-13 guy is going to chop them up with an axe. They think that. They think that's going to happen to them. And, you know, until six months ago, they thought ISIS was going to chop them up in the Cheesecake Factory. And then Trump killed ISIS. And then, oh, I'm not I don't feel any safer. It's weird. I now have a new phantom uh, foreign other to be worried about. Like, I don't feel any reduction in worry by this idea that, oh, he did. It's like maybe you, maybe the Cheesecake Factory is the problem. It could be. But like, why do you even want it to be ISIS if you're never going to feel comfortable, if you're never going to be safe, if there's always going to be some phantom other who's going to kill you and take your fucking uh, uh, take your fucking split level house and you, and and your fucking skidoo. Why the hell would you ever care about anything? Just like build a fucking bunker, you maniacs. I mean, when I when I read stuff like this, I feel like it's sort of, you know, one should always be careful in uh, saying that other people's uh, political beliefs are insane in sort of a non poetic sense. However, when I read stuff like this, I can't help but think that this is like this level of a uh, skewed threat assessment ability yeah. within an individual is indicative of some kind of uh, no. They're driving themselves insane. Yeah, like you're driving yourself. Do you sit nuts. in your rumpus room watching Fox News at, at blaring volumes for twelve hours a day? driving yourself insane you are the safest most secure person in the history of the world yeah and instead of enjoying that at all you drive yourself insane it really almost as if they're it's almost as if they know somewhere in their brains that everything they have is ill-gotten and unearned and undeserved and that kernel of knowledge manifests as this avenging other that's going to come yeah. and take it from them. Matt, you, and they hate that. You've, you've spoken about that before on the show, and I thought of that, like, connected to this. I, I saw that the other day when I saw an article about how uh, a good number, it was about a, a, this, the new trend among billionaires is, uh, b like, th believing in the apocalypse, prepping yeah. for the apocalypse, you know, th this idea that, like, they, they just know that some global calamity is going to happen almost any day now and and they're like well we need to be prepared mm -hmm. and, and in the article like the the billion like the people they're profiling talk about how they're like hmm you know obviously like uh you know a private security force is good but then um Why they, 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 they correctly <laughs> realize that like well what would be stopping these private security forces from just you know killing me and taking yeah. everything i have yeah. and they literally they, they came up uh with this they, they were batting around ideas and one of them was uh a sort of a time lock safe device <laughs> that would distribute food 
to to their mercenary uh, warriors for them at like regular intervals, but like only you know the code to it. And then the other the other brilliant idea, I swear to God, I'm not making this up, is literally the battle royale style explosive collars yeah. controlled by your phone or a device. So like you know, any dissension in the ranks, you can just like Boop. a small explosive will open up their jugular yep. vein. <laughs> so yeah, th- these are what these people are obsessed with. And again, you're absolutely right, Matt. They're obsessed with it because they know they deserve it. <laughs> they deserve they it. know that they are a, the cause of the apocalypse <laughs> yep. and that everyone around them will rightly uh, want to um, eat them alive. Uh, should it happen? But think about how panicked you are though. If you're one of these guys and you're in your compound you get you got your house you've got your fence you've got your moat and you spent all this money on uh bacon greased bullets and and severed pigs heads and pig blood ampules to ward off isis and now you got to worry about I, 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 ms-13 that they're immune they're to that. immune to yeah. it they love that stuff chicharronis they love that <laughs> and it's like oh my god i spent five hundred thousand dollars on anti-isis Pork products that are just <laughs> going to go to waste now. What do I do? What 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 words off these guys? Well, they don't have anything. They well, don't Matt, know. But it's when, wish when fulfillment. When the you know, there has to be a new one. There has to be a quick tone over, turnover. They'd get bored if ISIS were still around. But That's when, true. when the apocalypse happens, you can just sort of um, you can entertain yourself by just sort of chewing or sucking on your pork fat covered bullets as sort of a tasty <laughs> snack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's they're just yeah. sadly licking yeah, the just, bullets, licking, <laughs> licking the bacon grease off their bullets. So they're like, ah, damn it! I, I fucking dip. It took me five hours to dip these things in bullets or dip these things in bacon. God damn it! I think it's kind of one of two things. There's like, uh, or you can go one of two ways. When you subconsciously uh, know that, I, I mean, you say undeserved, but I think the, the better word is arbitrary, right? Mm. When, you, when you know that you've received certain comforts completely arbitrarily right, and yeah. some people haven't, you can either go the, uh, you know, kind of death fantasy way of, oh, they're, they're going to attack me, I will be punished, that's how this thing is going to resolve itself, or you can become one of those Instagram women who invents diseases for themselves, <laughs> right and, and those ones are the, oh my those god are the you're right ones, right because because you're like i too have suffered so you either try to like uh devour the suffering or embrace your own oblivion you're pushed in one direction or the other because the, there's right. no way to completely reconcile right. oh my god you're totally yeah. right you either it's either ms-13 or chronic lyme disease those yeah, well, are the two choices this is why I, this is, uh, again, my theory. I'm so of, mad at this one. Too. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, yeah. whatever. It's fine. It's not real. It's not real. This is why um, there were all the hysteria diagnoses around the Victorian era. Okay, so imagine you're a very comfortable Victorian wife, right? Um, you read in your, you know, ladies' newspaper of the day that uh, your husband's textile factory ate another child's arm. <laughs> Right, that's very hard for you to reconcile. It's highly unlikely that you're going to become a a, a class trader and become a, a socialist. Although some of them did, some yeah. of them became major social reformers. Um, so you're going to say uh, colors hurt my brain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like yes. that's that's what it is. Yeah, no, and and it's and it's gendered because it's you know it's it's like men yep. are from MS13, women are from chronic Lyme, basically. <laughs> women be shopping for chronic Lyme. Say women be shopping. <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is Send all this uh, is all a, 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 a psychological inability to um 
uh, process the injustice. Yeah, process yeah, injustice. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, if anyone is angry, please send your emails to Virgil Texas. Yes, <laughs> Virgil Texas. You will accept yes. any and all uh, any questions, and all complaints, complaints, criticisms, criticisms, yeah. or just uh, comments. Yeah, I want to talk to him. Want to ask him what comments. he's up to, yeah. what he's gaming. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that about uh, does it for this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good to have you back in uh, the States, Amber. And uh, we'll talk to the rest of you guys soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.